I invite you um, to be seated as we hear the rest of our story from Exodus chapter 18. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people, while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that all he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Now listen to me. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. You should represent the people before God, and you should bring their cases before God. Teach them the statutes and instructions, and make known to them the way they are going to go and the things they are going to do. You should also look for able people among all the people, those who fear God are trustworthy and hate dishonest stain. Set such men over them as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Let them sit as judges for the people at all times. Let them bring every important case to you, but decide every minor case themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all these people will go to their home in peace. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from all of Israel and appointed them as heads over the people, as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and they judged the people at all times. Hard cases they brought to Moses. But any minor cases, they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went off to his own country. This is the word of God, for we are the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we're in week two of our sermon series called Are We There Yet? And through this, we're kind of exploring the gifts and the challenges of being church together. And kind of how we will create a new path as we become the church that God has created us to be. So last week we explored how God calls us to have a united mission and vision for our church. God calls us individually to be part of that journey. And we will no doubt protest um, God's confidence in us. And yet God chooses us to be a part of building the kingdom. As a church, we hope to spark renewal as we reach out as a, as a, to create community partnerships, live out hospitality and invitation, and welcome innovative thinking. As we begin to move towards these goals, we will need to go together, and that's sort of what we're talking about today. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, as we embark on new journeys and that take us out of our comfort zones, and as we enter territory that has not yet been discovered, give us wisdom. Teach us the way to go and lead us to the kingdom work that will last. 
May the words that I say be inspired by you and heard by those who are ready to hear. Amen. On a good road trip, it's typically the music that keeps us awake on the road and inspires us to keep going. And it's easy to think of some great road trip songs like Life is a Highway or maybe Route 66 or On the Road Again. And you probably have a favorite road trip song. For me, music helps me out um, in those times where I need that kind of energy and motivation to, to get moving, to get going. But also, music helps me in those times where the journey is difficult. And as you continue to get to know me, you will find out that I am a lyrics person. You've heard me quote a lot of song lyrics in sermons because it is the poetry to me that is so profound. In one of her songs, singer-songwriter Deb Talon penned these words. Don't push so hard against the world. You can't do it all alone. And if you could, would you really want to? It's a great and important truth. You can't do it all alone. And if you could, would you really want to? Even if we did have the ability to do life all on our own, would we really want to do that? On our journey, having a traveling companion is essential. Those who travel with us make us laugh, share deep conversation, and help us out when we are in need. Their presence presents life and the world from a different perspective, thinking in ways that we may not have thought of before. And going on a journey together is a way that we share in both the joys and the burdens that arise. You can't do it alone is the advice that Jethro gives to Moses in our passage today. Jethro, of course, was Moses' father-in-law, and he had arrived to help reunite Moses and Zipporah, Moses' wife, and the children. Moses told Jethro everything that had happened on the journey, from the plagues that they were sent in Egypt to crossing the Red Sea. Moses told Jethro about eating manna in the desert and about how the trip had been difficult because all those people were complaining and they just wanted to go back to Egypt. Moses shared all of those things with Jethro and all those trials and challenges. And he said that God had been with them through everything, had rescued them from the land of Egypt and taken care of the community. Jethro's response to the story was essentially to convert to the faith. He recognizes in that moment God's power and sovereignty. Now, as the priest of Midian, Jethro would have been familiar and acquainted with spiritual things and the spiritual life. He had been leading his own community for many years. But when he heard Moses' story and all that the Israelites had experienced and the way that God had carried them through those trials, he was compelled to follow God himself. So Jethro... Um, brings a whole burnt offering before God, and he shares a meal with the elders of the community. 
And then the next day, Jethro comes upon Moses, settling disputes and disagreements among the people. There are crowds surrounding him, and it's clear that he won't be able to get through all of those cases in one day. And as you might imagine, the people are irritated around him, wondering when their case will get heard, when they will get seen, when their priority will become Moses' priority. In his wisdom and his experience, Jethro gives Moses some valuable advice. He tells him that he can't do it alone, and he needs to ask for help. He instructs Moses to appoint judges over different groups of people to settle the smaller disagreements, rather than trying to handle all of it by himself. His his advice is practical and concise. Look, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to wear yourself out, and you won't get as much done as you need to get done. Inviting and training others is the only way to go. Jethro doesn't say that Moses will cease his responsibilities, but he makes it clear that strong leaders recruit others to help with the needs in the community and to accomplish a larger vision. Sometimes we are reluctant to invite others to help because of our past experience. So I want you to think back to your school days, and I want you to think about the dreaded group project. Did you ever have to do a group project? Did, did anyone dislike group projects out there? And we all know why, don't we? We know why we don't like group projects because the teacher assigns us to work with some people that we know aren't going to work as hard as we're going to work, right? And then what happens is you have one or two people in the group that are working really hard, that are doing all the tasks, and then you have other people that are just coasting along, don't you? (laughs) And that can be very frustrating. You know, I've often wondered why teachers make us do group projects But, you know, I think I figured it out, right? Because, you know, whether you're at work or you're at church or whether you happen to have a family, it's all a group project. All of it, right? Working with other people, collaborating and planning together to make things happen. It's all a group project. (laughs) Maybe those teachers knew that. Now, you may have heard the phrase in church circles that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Maybe you've been told no over the years when you truly needed help, and so you stopped asking other people to help you altogether. You know, it can be difficult to ask for help, maybe because we want to act or we want to seem like we can handle all of it on our own, and we can do it without collaborating. And then ultimately, what we find is that We can accomplish more when we include others in the tasks ahead. As we journey through this life of faith, especially in the the life of the church, it's important to share the responsibilities. And I think there are several ways that we can do that. The first is by strengthening our own leadership skills. Strengthening your leadership skills enables you to respond to the needs of a changing church environment being willing to learn, or being teachable as the needs of the church change. And I think Jethro really exhibited this kind of change of heart when he saw a more excellent way before him. And then Moses kind of did too, right? 
Because Jethro had always been a, a spiritual person. He acted as the priest of his community. And then when he encountered God, the God of Israel, his life kind of changed course. And he then used all those skills that he had gained to empower and encourage Moses. And Moses, who had been doing things one way, right, seeing all of the cases himself, then changed the way he did it. We, too, must be versatile and teachable leaders so that we can respond to the current needs that we face. How can we use our God-given skills in new ways? What is God teaching us as we journey together? Another important task of leadership in the community is taking the burden off of someone else's shoulders. Taking the burden from another's shoulders means being a team player and getting the work done when it needs to be done. One of my most valued mentors taught me that if you see a piece of paper on the church floor, pick it up. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? When you notice and you act on behalf of the whole, you are benefiting the entire church. Now, on the one hand, you think, well, maybe this mess isn't mine to clean up. And on the other, we know that it is all of our responsibility to work together to ensure that the operation runs smoothly. Jethro's advice to Moses is a good reminder that we all can and do play a part in helping our community. I think another thing that we can do is to keep the small stuff as small stuff. When Richard Carlson's book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, came out in 1997, no one predicted that it would become a bestseller with 100 consecutive weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. And of course, a cascading number of books after that of Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in all these other areas of life, too. What he tapped into is that we get way too worried about the little things. We get frenzied and distracted and even paralyzed by the small things. When Jethro tells Moses to appoint leaders to handle the smaller disputes, he is reminding him that he needs to have his focus on the larger things of the community is facing. If Moses gets bogged down in the small things, he won't have energy to focus and deal with the more serious issues that are facing the Israelites. Like Moses, if we spend too much time focusing on the small stuff, we will miss the items that require our best attention and energy. Further, it's important to solve small problems while they're still small. Settle small disagreements and offer forgiveness before the situation becomes one of greater difficulty. Think about when you're on a long journey with a group of people and one person is upset or grumpy, it's easy to ruin the trip for everybody else, isn't it? Settling small things before they grow into big things is essential for the overall mission of the church. Last but certainly not least, sharing the journey with others or carpooling, as we're calling it this morning, makes the whole experience a lot more fun. In our ego, we might think that going it alone is appealing, that we will have control over the contents, that we will be in charge and make decisions. In the end, we would find that being by ourselves is a very lonely place. Those who travel with us spark what we need to continue when times are difficult and uphold us when we're struggling. 
Why all of this, all of this may seem obvious to you, right? It may seem so obvious, but we have to return again and again to the basics of living in community that we might all benefit and grow into the church God's calling us to be. For those of you who already feel this sense of community and dedication, there is another person who has yet to experience it. For those of you who, have, who feel like you have mastered uh, the art of delegation and easily work in teams, there's another person who struggles, who struggles to share leadership with those around them. If you are one in which all of this comes very simply, in which you, it seems like um, you've sort of got it down, then your job is to teach others. Your job becomes to teach others how to do it. If you're one that collaborates well, then you have a gift to share. I've been rereading um, parts of Zora Neale Hurston's uh, retelling of the Moses story called Moses, Man of the Mountain. I hope that some of you have had the opportunity to read it. In it, Hurston attempts to unlock the motivations of the characters and the nuances and concerns of living in community. And she explores um, some themes of oppression and freedom and leadership. And so I'm going to leave you with a few words from, from her book regarding leadership as Moses is talking to Aaron. The question before the house is how much are you going to be worth to the people on this journey, not how much the people are going to be worth to you. And leaders have to be people who give up things. They ain't made out of people who grab things. The question before the house is, how much are you going to be worth to the people on this journey, not how much the people are going to be worth to you? And leaders have to be people who give up things. They ain't made out of people who grab things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.